0: The Whiskey Podcast, brought to you by myself, Torrin, and my brother and co-host, Ronan. Follow us on Instagram at Pod or on Twitter at Pod. Enjoy the show. Slash. Hello, welcome to a wee bonus podcast we've decided to do with myself, Ronan, and my brother, Torrin. How you doing? Um, we will be reviewing a, a Ben Nevis, 10-year-old uh, whiskey throughout this podcast. And just sort of generally speaking about Ben Nevis and a little bit maybe about what the future might hold of Ben Nevis as well. Yeah. Um, but how's things been getting on? Ah, not bad. Same old, same old. Uh, been just watching a lot of that zero, zero, zero. Have you seen it? Never heard of it. Yeah. Uh, Well, well then. Uh, That's the end of that (laughs) conversation. It's it's quite good. I would recommend you watch it. I I can't remember what channel it's on, but it's uh, it's very intense, and the music, uh, ah, the music that's used in it, the score, the score, the soundtrack for the show is by Mogwai, which is a Scottish Ah, uh, rock band that are currently number one in the album charts. Is it Ayrshire they're from? Uh, No, I think they're from round about uh, about Glasgow, Clyde Valley. Ah, right. Um, But yeah, it's very intense and it's probably a lot of the music that adds to that. Right, very good, very good. Um, Before we kick off, we will start with beer, before we crack into the whiskey. What beer are you trying? Now? So I'm trying uh, an iron brew sour beer uh, from Vault City Brewery. Um, it's interesting. It is kind of just tastes like iron brew. It's obviously a wee bit kind of gimmicky. Like, okay. yeah, 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 I would say so. But it tastes like kind of iron brew bars. You know, it's called uh, that kind of. I don't think they're a thing anymore, really. No, I don't think they are. I think right. was it was not something like they were, they weren't actually made by Iron Brew. They were made by somebody else. Uh, right? And then now they're just not made anymore. But yeah. that's, uh, that's, <laughs> what gives you, that's what gives you films growing up. Yeah, so of short after sort of beer. It's quite difficult to actually find. Aye, it was hard to find. I was I went to several kind of beer shops looking for it, but eventually got it from pub. <laughs> that <laughs> pub called Redmond's. That right? pub called Redmond's. Aye, which are doing it in draft. So eh, it's quite nice. I mean, it's not the best sour I've ever had. It's not the worst sour. It's obviously a wee bit gimmicky, but I mean, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Um, well, what beer have you got? Eh, I'm trying a beer. I've actually tried before, but for this podcast, it was recommended to or somebody wanted us to try a, a listener. Yeah. Ryan um, on Instagram. On, not on the, on yeah. the post. done um, Yeah. It's just a. I mean, it's a classic Paul and a Munich ale. So nice. It's German lager, isn't it? Is that Aye, it's one of those things that I, I don't think you can really actually go wrong with it. Aye. I, like, it's just a, a really, really good beer. Um, and I think it actually probably complements the, the, the Ben Nevis that we're about to drive pretty well. Right, okay. Right. So, yeah, as I said, Ben Nevis 10 years old, 46%. Quite hard to come by official bottlings of Ben Nevis, really. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I was searching for this whiskey kind of high and low. It was actually meant to be on a previous podcast uh, with the coin Leash, it was yeah. meant to be Ben Nevis and coin Leash, but it is in none of my yeah. local whiskey shops, uh, I couldn't find it on any kind of the websites, we couldn't even find it in Tyndrum whiskeys, uh, which seems to kind of give us a few whiskies that we, we've had before. Uh, were, a staple perch. Uh, we like Tyndrum yeah. don't we? Yeah. Uh, so I got it from the Scotch Whisky Experience, ordered it online. Uh, at the top of the mile in Edinburgh. Have you been? Yeah, I've been in. Aye, 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 But I ordered it from there. In my excitement, I ordered it to the wrong address. <laughs> I never, uh, I never uh, took advantage of the free postage. Uh, but eventually, got it sorted and it got delivered. So we've been looking forward to this one for a while. Uh, ben yeah. Nevis, obviously more famous for. The, the mountain behind the distillery. Yeah. But the the, the is very famous as well. It's a kind of... Yeah. so any Sort of sparked an interest, I guess, to taste Ben Nevis to try some from the recent announcement of the, the change of the Japanese whiskey laws, yeah. which we'll come into later on. Yeah. Um, but that sort of piqued our interest to want to actually try some proper Ben Nevis, I guess. Right. Um, and it's not a whiskey I don't think I've ever tried before. Right, okay. Probably because of how much is used it's, in, in other places it's so hard to come by like, yeah. I didn't think it would be a struggle trying to find the bottle of Ben Nevis it's a whiskey I have tried before both the kind of um, distillery bottlings and also independent bottlings yeah. it was really hard to come by I got the last bottle from the Scotch Whisky Experience and I'm kind of presuming it's the last bottle in Scotland we'll just go for that yeah. well, it's the last bottling of that Ben Nevis yeah. in Scotland yeah we'll go with that that's fine I'll, I'll speak a bit about the distillery if you want. So yeah. it was founded in 1825 mm-hmm. by Long John MacDonald, mm-hmm. right? I'm not sure why he's got that name, but I'm a wee bit interested. Reputation proceeding. It's situated at the foot of Ben Nevis. For listeners outside the UK, you might not know what Ben Nevis is. It's the tallest mountain in the UK. Uh, and it's, uh, of course, the Ben Nevis distillery is in the town the kind of start of the, the south of the kind of the Great Glen as it's known in, in Scotland. It's uh, the two million liter capacity, so that's quite big. Mm. Uh, it's got a ten ton full outer mash tun, so that's like fifty thousand liters of water in that mash tun right. when, when it's in wor- when it's working. So that's, that's, that's it's, again, it's a it's a big operation. Mm-hmm. Six stainless steel washbacks uh, or fermenters, as they're uh, as are known, and two Oregon pine wooden washbacks, which is always good to hear. kind of like to see and hear about wooden washbacks, oh, the wooden kind washbacks, of traditional yeah. washbacks. Now we've got a lot of stainless steel, which do they do the same job? But the kind of old style is always better. So, so I could, I guess the the what would be the the positive thing about having wooden washbacks would be a continuation of flavour. Yeah, from each uh, fermentation. Right. yeah. Uh, they do thirteen mashes a week. Um, they do a 48 hour fermentation. It's quite a short fermentation. Probably that's like the minimum you want to do. Mm -hmm. But for a distillery producing this much, they probably have to have quite short fermentations. To be able to churn out. To be able to produce as much as they do. They've got two pairs of stills. So that's two wash stills and two spirit stills. The wash stills are twenty five thousand liter wash stills. It's pretty big, yeah. and they've got 20,000 liter spirit stills. So we're looking at what we're looking at with Ben Nevis is there's a short fermentation time. Uh, massive stills. Yeah, yeah. The the, the their mash tun's big. Yeah. So we'll need to have pick. Uh, stills Everything stills from that, that as well to be able to accommodate that. Yeah. yeah. And, and be- sorry, I'm so, so so. so they do produce 2 million litres a year, but 50,000 litres of that is a heavily peated malt. And it's distilled at 40 ppm. Right. Um, so a very small amount they're doing peated stuff. I don't know if I've ever had peated stuff. Is there peated whiskey in the, this bottle? Uh, off the top of my head, I would say. I don't know. Right. Um, but from the nose um, right now. I wouldn't suggest the Right, I thought it tastes a little kind of wee bit, knows a, a wee bit of kind of, smoke yeah. kind of, but we're unsure, and it's a wee bit cloak and uh, kind of cloak dagger, you know. So I, 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 couldn't find anything about it being any peated whiskey and that I know they do do a peated expression, so maybe, maybe it's all just reserved for that. Yeah, but yeah. It's certainly found in eighteen twenty-five, as I say, by Long John McDonald. Mm-hmm. Passed his son in eighteen fifty-six. Um, short John McDonald, <laughs> extra long John McDonald. extra long the only gets better the demand at that time for Ben Nevis whiskey was so great that they built another distillery right uh, nearby uh, and it was called Nevis distillery so they went very inventive with the name but I think you should maybe yeah you've got you've you've, you've got to kind of maybe call it with something that's uh, in the surroundings and Ben Nevis is behind it, and uh, also that's kind of Nevis. Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not very imaginative, but that's what they did. And by 1908, both the became one. They amalgamated. Um, over the years, it changed hands, and in, in 1955, uh, the owner installs a coffee still so mm-hmm. like a continuous distillation and that allowed c- both continuous distillation and batch distillation for malt whiskey. So the coffee still would have been only used to make grain whiskey as yeah, well, which yeah. would allow them to then make blends, blends yeah, yeah. their own blends. In-house blends, yeah. which obviously cuts costs. Cuts, you don't need to then buy in grain whiskey from Dumbarton, North British to uh, at the time. Yeah. You don't need to buy it in so you can make your own blends. Saving costs but also expands what you're able to actually do well, as well. Also, like, saving costs is a big thing, but it also allows you to keep a close eye over product quality. If you're producing yeah. it yourself, you can do it your way. Yeah, it allows you to change the, the product as well uh, without having to go to somebody and try and find something new. You're able to change. Right, and you're, you're not relying on another company because, like, if, if, you, if you're a whiskey company that needs a certain... Grain whiskey through blend, and you go to the 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 grain producer, and they say, "Sorry, we've not got any." Yeah, what you meant to do? Like you're kind of you're lost because you need that grain. So you might as well do it yourself yourself if you can. So they they became one of the first kind of distilleries in Scotland to be producing malt and grain whiskey uh, simultaneously. Right, and by 1986, uh, the distillery is closed down. Right, so the grain producing ways didn't stop them being closed down in 1986, but it kind of follows the same path that a lot of Scottish distilleries went through. There was an economic downturn, there was changes in drinking fashion, there was stuff like that, so I don't know what to blame it on just now, but it follows the same kind of path. Yeah, and it's, reading a little bit about Ben Evison, you've sort of seen there was a fairly expensive restoration sort of process that happens before the closing down of Ben Nevis. Yeah. Um, if you've ever actually looked at Ben Nevis as well, you can see there's probably not a lot of restoration or um superficial work done at Ben Nevis any time right. recently. it's one of the ugliest distilleries. Is it I think yeah. I've passed it and but never not, really never really looked at it twice. It's, a, it's a distillery that I'm sorry, that's my I'm <laughs> <ball. laughs> um, it's a distillery that is a is a nice distillery that just needs a bit A TLC, I guess. Right, okay. Um, Which has obviously had previously, about the the early 1980s, it got a bit of restoration work and stuff, but then to close sort of right after. It's a kick in the teeth, It's a kick in the teeth for the work that you've put in, I guess. Uh, And so by 1989, the distillery sold to Nika Whiskey Distilling Company, uh, who are still the owners to this day. Mm. Uh, You might know, you might not know, but Nika Whiskey. It's a Japanese whiskey. It's a Japanese company. Yeah. Uh, so, so Nika whiskey are owned by what is Asashi Breweries. Right, okay, Which yeah. you've seen, seen Asashi as Asashi beer. And white label Asashi beer. Yeah, so it's essentially owned by the, a bigger company, but, which, is a, which is a brewery which produce their probably biggest product is their beer. Yeah. Um, they go about they own many different distilleries with gin, whiskey and such throughout, throughout the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but for Scotland, they own... Nika, which obviously is a Japanese distillery, but then Nika itself owns Ben Nevis. Right, okay. So that would make sense. So up to 75% of the production in a year from Ben Nevis is shipped to to Japan, basically. So that would make sense of why I can't find any Ben Nevis single malt in any shop around Scotland. Yeah, pretty much again, slightly touching on the Japanese whisky laws that have changed, but previously their only real stipulation what made Japanese whiskey was that it was to be bottled in Japan. Right. Okay. No matter where it came from. Seems very loose, isn't it? Uh, very loose. It's very sort of, not that Japanese whiskey is young in terms of the whole process of uh, it being made, but it seems very youngish sort of rules and laws and regulations for it. But, yeah, so Nika uh, Nika would take the Ben Nevis and use it in Japanese whiskey. I think from the barrel or the barrel. Nika from the barrel. Yeah, which is, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's sent obviously to Japan, but it's not sold over there. as well, it's not sold around the world because obviously Japanese whiskey is sold around the world and enjoyed around the world, but it's not shipped over there bottled as Ben Nevis no. because you can't do that because no. Scottish whiskey needs to be bottled in Scotland. It's a little bit like how. Grain whiskies are used as f- not filler, but the bulk of blended whiskies. Mm-hmm. Grain whiskey is used as the sort of base, and then everything is built from that. It's almost like Nika used Ben Nevis because it's got this West Highland Scottish whiskey that they're able to call Japanese whiskey. Yeah, it's used as this filler, this base to 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 build on. Yeah. Uh, I think it's all just to do with supply and demand. The like Japanese whiskey were producing, Japanese whiskey producers were producing a steady amount, and then it became very popular. Yeah. So then they didn't have the supply to yeah. meet the demand, so yeah. they needed to start working other ways. There's no Japanese whiskey laws in place, even though the new Japanese laws they're kind of more like suggestions. They're not actually laws yet. Yeah. So they needed filler basically to meet the demand is yeah is, is it a wee bit controversial is it a wee bit wrong that they're bottling what you think was Japanese whiskey and it turns out to be Ben Nevis whiskey yeah probably is I always but I always thought about it as this like I knew that Nika from the barrel for example which is a very good whiskey, yeah. it is a, good, it's a very good run I always knew that that included benefits yeah. and that the laws within Japan allowed it to be called that. Yeah. Now, whether that was just this massive known secret within the whiskey industry yeah, and yeah. it wasn't known to the average consumer. To, to the average consumer. Yeah, yeah. Now, I get, I sort of think of it, why would you know? If wonder, you were, why yeah. would you know if you went into a shop and bought an Ika, you would presume it says Japanese whiskey, it must be Japanese yeah. whiskey. I think, I think that's where the issue lies because it is... Could, I don't know how much the percentage of Nika from the barrel was Ben Nevis, but I think it was probably a high percentage, probably, yeah. probably over 70% or something. Right. Like, I know that that's probably mostly Ben Nevis. Yeah. But an average consumer... Why would they make why would connection? Why would they be like, I'm looking at this bottle, it says Nika from the barrel has Japanese lettering on it. I'm yeah. sure, like, I think, if I remember the bottle a like, you would automatically assume that's Japanese whiskey. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, so Ben Nevis sent to uh, Japan, but not to be sold as Ben Nevis. It uh, was to be bottled and labelled as Japanese whiskey, as the current, what we touched on there, but as is the current Japanese whiskey regulations allow for foreign whiskey to be bottled as Japanese whiskey. Hmm. Now, of course, the success of Japanese whiskey uh, and the, Jap- uh, the Japanese whiskey trade is largely thanks to early 20th century pioneers, mm. Shinjuro Tori and Masataka Takatsuru, mm-hmm. um, who partly trained in Scotland. Uh, I think Takatsuru trained a bit at Hazelburn Distillery in Campbelltown and yeah. also maybe Longbourn. But they went when they trained in Scotland, they, they went back to Japan and they founded the two biggest. Uh, whiskey makers in japan which is Suntory and nika yeah which are definitely household names uh, within the, the whiskey industry Yeah, Suntory probably more commonly known as beans yeah, like Co- and yeah, yeah when, it, when they founded the distillery, when they founded the whiskey it was Suntory and nika yeah what do you think of the nose we've spoke a lot about the distillery and the goings on and stuff but let's actually look at the whiskey what's your thoughts on the nose itself what are you getting? I'm getting a lot of vanilla, initially, to yep. I'm getting that kind of caramel, kind of sweetness, kind of creme brulee type thing. Mm-hmm. Slight grassiness. We couldn't really find what casks made up yeah. the 10-year-old bottling. But from, from those in, what I'm thinking is it's, it's definitely... Bourbon. Yeah, I think it's um, it's probably majority yeah. first fill bourbon, maybe uh, a wee bit wee of f- Virgin oak casks. Yeah. But American oak. I, I I'm not sure we don't know, we couldn't find, but from nosing it, I would say probably predominantly first fill bourbon and a lesser amount virgin American oak casks. Yeah, I was thinking along the same lines, first fill virgin uh, first fill bourbon, sorry, virgin oak a little bit of refill bourbon probably in there as well. Um I do think they probably missed a trick in <laughs> using Japanese wood yeah. <laughs> in it, um, just for the uh, just to annoy people, I guess. Um, but um, on the nose, I thought it's very so. I guess it's that heathery grassiness to it that yeah. you're speaking of, slightly like cereal, malty, biscuity note. Yeah, I also thought it was quite uh, very Scottish word, fusty. Ah, right, okay. Like it's, it had this oldness to it Right, okay Kind of like musty Musty Particularly like Dunnage Warehouse type Yeah, I, I got a little bit of that from the nose But actually leaving it a little bit That's sort of worn off right. know, Maybe just the initial sort of What I got was sort of hard bo- uh, hard toffee sweets Right so, Um, I also put down I was sort of putting down little notes of the nose Put unflavored popcorn Right, okay. (laughs) Which is an odd one, because I don't think I've ever tasted that. Right. But it's got that sort of cereal, sort of nutty note. Right, okay, yeah. But without a sweetness to it as well. I was also thinking kind of nutty notes. I was thinking walnuts, it's got a lovely honeyness to it, which is Mm. quite nice. It's, I mean, the last time I tried Ben Nevis, it was when, it was in the previous style of bottle um, I know we don't like to touch on kind of how the bottle looks or whatever because it doesn't make a difference but don't think they've can can we, we hit the mark with this bottle look. Itself? It's always a good reference point for what bottle you've tried I guess uh, if you see the labels change you go I uh, oh, was an old style I liked it but the new style I don't. Uh, the, the new bottle looks like it's trying to be old fashioned but doing it very badly Yeah. Um, Ah, it's like it's like one of the blends from like the nineties or something like, that, not it? That in that kind of style. But well, there's a picture of a hill on the label. Ah, I right. couldn't tell you if that was Ben there or not. Probably. <is. laughs> you would think. Well, you, know, you would think. You know, I have think no. I have known <laughs> uh, whiskey companies to. Uh, They've also they've also got like a couple of like thistles on the front that have kind of ribbons around them, <laughs> them saying trademark. Uh, <laughs> <it'll>. <laughs> it looks very much like if you were not from Scotland <laughs> to design a label. What would we put on a Scotch whiskey label? Oh, put a hill and a couple of thistles and everything uh, will be alright it's <laughs> almost the old green uh, scotia bottle and put some highland cows and uh, it it. Uh, the northern lights oh, that's, that's Scotland isn't it that's yeah. is Scotland yeah definitely it's, I mean <sighs> is that the Loch Ness no it's not the Loch Ness monster it's, it's getting that sort of feel about it with the actual look of the bottle I mean uh the uh, uh, no offence to the branding team at the Nevis, but... I'd I don't think we have caused any offence to the branding team for Nika Distillers. Um, I suppose, I suppose. <laughs> on, on, on to the taste of the whiskey. What do you yes. to taste? I get, from the nose to the taste, really enjoyed it, actually. And the one thing it makes me think is, why isn't this more readily available? I, like, like, I get... The, the the owners of the distillery might be solely focused on producing Japanese whiskey yeah. and hitting that mark that they've they've went, Yeah, this is what we need to do. Yeah. But when you taste that, you go, God, it'd be brilliant if there was more of Aye. From from the taste of this whiskey and Ben Nevis's I've tried before, I mean specifically this one on the taste, I'm getting that real sweet honey flavour. It's very balanced. It's quite mellow. Yeah. But it's not lacking flavour. It's an extreme warm mouthfeel culture mouth and there's a lovely bit of oakiness in it Yeah, that probably makes me think there probably was a wee bit of virgin oak matured whiskey in there. Mm-hmm. but yeah would you not be like extremely happy if there was like an 8 year old Ben Nevis a 12 year old Ben Nevis a 15 15- there is a cash strength Ben Nevis that I've not tried from yeah. the distillery I was, I was about to say maybe not a 10 year old ca- 10 year old cash strength but a 12 or an 8 year old cash strength that you would be after trying this you'd look at the cash strength and go oh I really want to try that right yeah on the palate for myself I've noted down apple strudel right okay it's got that vanilla custardy sort of note to it but I think sort of green apples it's got a real freshness to it as well Uh a real enjoyable not a youthful freshness but a like just a nice easy drinking whiskey as well yeah Um, it's got a little bit of the West Highlandness coming through again again a little bit of that sort of herbal grassiness as well yeah Caramel sweeties, a little bit of straw, hay light, vanilla extract, put a little bit of mocha, coffee, notes. Also a bit of icing sugar in there, it's quite sweet as well at the point. It is sweet, yeah. Um, cornbread, I put down. Nice, no, never had it. Never had cornbread. <laughs> I tell you, it tastes exactly like this, Ben <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable how alike they are. Uh, put a little bit of poached pears down, and then that freshness again, I wrote down lemon sorbet just because it's that it's it's almost like a cat uh, uh, like sorbet against that palate cleanser. Right. Okay. Um, it's just it's just it's really really good. Aye, <laughs> Aye. it's a really really nice whiskey. Yeah. Finish on it wise, it's medium finish. Mm. Can't really be expecting much more from a ten year old whiskey. Yeah. Slight pepper, that chocolate that you were speaking about, yeah. and then oak coming through in the finish. Uh, yeah. It's a very good whiskey, isn't it? Mm. I'm really, I, I'm really enjoying it. And the only downfall is that it's not enough of it in the local shops, isn't it? Yeah, so I, I, I tend to get both sides of what is essentially a bit of a argument that never actually happened. And it's this, and um, I've seen it on Facebook, and everything, and I'm not taking sides of people or anything like I guess. But the very sort of full outrage of the fact that whiskey. Um, Japanese whisky laws have changed, yeah, and there's this sort of outrage of the fact that Ben Nevis is is, is never seen really as a product within, I guess within Scotland. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's absolutely thousands of products within the Scotch whisky industry that we have never seen in Scotland. <laughs> I that folk gonna say, booty a goose about, but the Ben Nevis, Japanese owned, mostly using Japanese whisky." suddenly there's just this outrage of the fact that it's used in. Yeah, 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 When it's never mentioned before. But now that Japanese whiskey laws have changed to where it needs to be fully Japanese whiskey in the sense of the way Scot- Scottish whiskey needs to be fully Scottish whiskey mm-hmm. is that the whole process needs to carry out in Japan. Yeah. That there's now this outrage that Ben Nevis is used mostly for Japanese whiskey, or Nika whiskey, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I just think it's a bit... Why, why, does, it- why does it bother you? Like, why... Well, i <laughs> saying this. I'm annoyed at someone being annoyed at a situation they were never previously annoyed at. I, I think I think it's just fake, and all, it, I think it's just like fake annoyance. You know what I mean? Like people are just getting annoyed for the sake of being annoyed. Like, uh, if you were truly annoyed about the fact that the 75 percent of Ben Nevis spirit was shipped off to Japan, he's been bleating on about it for yeah. absolutely ages. But who are you annoyed for? I don't know. Because no. the people within the distillery have got jobs. Like, the people that have to ship it have got jobs. Yeah. The people that then have to blend it and put it together and everything. I don't know who's a, who somebody's annoyed for. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the only way you could maybe be annoyed would be because the consumer is looking at a bottle of nika from the barrel, and the, it's a, I'm pretty sure it's a 50CL bottle, and then they're paying... I can't remember, it's 50 or 60 quid for yeah. that bottle. You could be annoyed for the consumer, but also, I don't know if there's any consumers that buy Nika from the barrel thinking it's Japanese whiskey or, or not knowing what they're getting. And Presumably, when you buy a product, you've heard it's good, you're maybe going to enjoy it. If you enjoy the whiskey, Who cares what's, what it's what's, from? what's the issue? Aye, mm-hmm. What's the issue? If, I, I, can, I can see the issue with pretending to be Japanese whiskey we went and it's been now this whiskey I can't see that but, but it's, if your consumer's enjoying the whiskey but my point is that it wasn't pretending to be Japanese whiskey Aye. it was fully within the what makes Japanese whiskey Aye. which was it basically needed to be bottled in Japan Aye. but if it's fully within the the laws of being Japanese whiskey then it's Japanese whiskey well, if you don't like something you're annoyed at the law I guess you're not yeah. annoyed at Nika, you're not annoyed, and I know we've said that we'd like to see more Ben Nevis. Uh, and that might be something that comes from the new laws that are introduced. Who am I going to who who am I going to be annoyed at the, the fact that Ben there isn't more Ben Nevis available? Uh, and who, are you, be who are you going to be annoyed for? Because uh, the whole point of it is that, oh, I'm annoyed because this whiskey is Shipped over to Japan, but who are you who are you actually are? You annoyed on that personal level? Do you just not like Scotch whisky going to Japan? Yeah, is that your issue? I don't I I, I don't understand. I've seen it. I've seen it a lot on Facebook and stuff like that. I just don't I just don't understand why you're annoyed. Yeah. It's uh, what did you call it? Full 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 outrage. That sort of you're annoyed for some. Yeah, I think that's a major problem of uh, the social media age that we live in. Uh, and uh, doth no butter, no parsnips <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to get into what you've just said <laughs> Doesn't wash with me doesn't, doesn't wash with you Doesn't wash with me, I'm saying And also, I'm going to open my second beer of the podcast I've got a lovely, kind of limited edition uh, Westwork Cause see the one from West Brewery, which is is an East End of the Glasgow beer. Yeah. East End of the Glasgow beers in, the term, in, uh, in terms of kind of tenants and West, not too far from each other. It's a BA Double Bock. It's 10.8% and it's cask age. It's 168 days in a cask. Uh, I'm going to really enjoy this one. So you're going to move on to your second beer? Yeah, I am just trying another Munich Hell. Um, Hacker Pfizer... So just like a kind of Munich Lager, is it? Just a, and another, I guess another easy drinking Munich Lager. Um, again, I think it will go very well with the the Ben Nevis that we're trying. Yeah, so I want I want to touch a wee bit more on the Nevis Distillery, that other distillery that was uh, built, uh, but closed down. But when it was when it was built, at its full production, it was producing seventy uh, percent more than Ben Nevis. Right, but massive production. Mm-hmm. But this distillery, and partly how it was closed, was this distillery was surrounded by rumours of kind of poor water quality. Although the water was taken from a source upon the Ben Nevis mountain, so it was clear. It was pleasant to taste, and it passed uh, the kind of the test, the laboratory test they had at the time. Yeah, they couldn't make good whiskey from it. Right. A mile away, at the already established Ben Nevis distillery. They took from the same hillside, but a different burn. A different water source was taken for each distillery. Right. Ben Nevis distillery, whiskey, was very high of quality and was widely used for blending. Yeah. And that's probably why they built another the distillery is because it was... To capitalise on the yeah. good quality. So this new distillery, kind of Nevis, was built in 1878, closed in 1908. Yeah. Yeah. And it was all blamed that the clothes and all that was blamed on this the, the water supply. That slightly different burn that they took from uh, somehow made worse whiskey. Right. Okay. Uh, from the water. Now, when you go, if you've ever visited a whiskey distillery in Scotland doing the tours or whatever, they always go on about the water supply and. Yeah. Um, Sometimes it's put down to like uh, it's just a marketing ploy, like we've. Done. So, but now, now the Be- the Nevis, sorry, distillery is is, is part of uh, the warehouses are part of Ben Nevis distillery, right? So I, I wanted to speak about about the water that's used in Scottish distilleries. Like most single malt distilleries in Scotland, use soft water. Okay. Soft water is basically means there's a low concentrating of ions, in particular uh, calcium or magnesium, or the ions of those uh, elements. Yeah. The presence of salt in the water helps to keep the pH down. Which, for any brewers and distillers listening, low pH is better basically and soft water provides vital trace elements for fermentation which improves efficiency and that's why you want the low ph because the low ph uh, in fermentation in a distillery in a brewery is very good low ph in fermentation reduces the chance of microbial bacteria infection and improves yeast health during fermentation right okay he eats the sugar turns it into alcohol and carbon yeah. dioxide But does it affect the final flavour of the whiskey? there's many arguments for there's many arguments against I would personally presume after fermentation two or three distillations a long term maturation in an oak cask you'd have to be quite an expert taster to taste the water's influence on the final product. Right, okay. But the water does have importance in making the final product in the fermentation and the mashing uh, processes of the whiskey making journey, um, basically. Yeah, and uh, I don't know uh, that you might know this answer, but then when distilleries will reduce the spirit before it goes into cask, I presume that they use the same water source that they use uh, uh, during the the distillation process during the mashing uh, during the yeah. mashing process. Uh, so, with the water added, if it wasn't soft water, yeah, would that have an influence on the product? Now, again, you say you would have to be a master taster to point out the difference in the water has yeah. an effect, but if it's softer, I guess the opposite of soft would then be hard yeah. water that that'll have an effect on the the whisky that before it's even maturing as it's filled into cask. So the, the thing is, right, so when you are doing a mash in, 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 whiskey dis- in whiskey producing, the water is not regulated as much. And I don't mean that as in they're using bad water, I just mean there isn't certain standards that you need to meet. Right, okay. But every distillery in Scotland would will be using good quality water, you yeah. know what I mean? But it doesn't have to meet the quite EU standards right. that you have to meet. So when you're using water for mashing, it might not be the same water you use for dilution after right. maturation. Because yeah. the dilution, the, the diluting water after maturation needs to meet these EU standards of potability. right? Okay. So you'd probably presume if a whiskey has been diluted with water, it after maturation they're using deionized water right okay so it's pretty much just like distilled water it's okay. plain water uh, uh, and it won't impart any flavour on the whiskey because you're just using it to dilute to go to bottling yeah but the, whiskey, the, the water used for like kind of pre-distillation mm-hmm. it will probably just be the local source of water probably will still have these ions in it and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, so it's very local to the distilleries. And that's the thing, like, no distillery is going to change their water supply because consistency is key. And although water is maybe sometimes regarded as kind of like, oh, the kind of fanciful thing, yeah. n- no distillery in a hurry is going to change their water supply. Not at all. It'd yeah, be the sort of assumption that if you... used one water source and then you suddenly changed and your claim was before that we use the best water. Yeah. And then you change to a different water, Mm -hmm. all your previous bottlings the consumer would go, hmm. I guess it wasn't the best water. Aye. And you kinda seen that in the kind of the the study of Ben Nevis and Nevis distillery. Yeah, two distilleries that were well set up, yeah. The Ben Nevis Distillery had a, a lot of business, too much business. They needed to open another distillery. Nevis Distillery. They took from a slightly different water source, and it produced a very bad whiskey, which yeah. eventually led to the closing down of Nevis Distillery. Hmm. Is there any other conspiracy theories? I guess to why Nevis Distillery didn't produce good whiskey. Uh, that I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm I probably quite sure that the water story, maybe just was the one that they decided to go for. I, I'm not sure if they had bad kind of distilling practices, but yeah. presumably it was run by the same company. So you run, would assume it was run the same as Ben Nevis. It was run yeah. to the same standard, potentially run by the same people. Yeah. So quick recap as we went in the the hotly contested Scotch whiskey league. From this Ben Nevis ten year old forty six percent, as we said, we presume it's first all bourbon a yeah. little virgin oak in there. Yeah, what you get in nose taste palate sort of finish. What's your thoughts on it? So first of all, a very enjoyable whiskey. I know it? it's it's oh, very yeah. nice. It's. Um, on the nose, getting a lot of kind of vanilla, creme brulee almost, getting kind of honey sweetness, walnuts, there is a there is a nutty element to this whiskey. Yeah. And then getting that kind of highland grassiness coming through. Taste-wise, real sweet honey flavour coming through, first of all. It's very balanced, there's very warm mouth mouthfeel, but it's quite mellow, and I don't mean mellow as in lacking flavour, because it's full of flavour. Uh, Slightly coat your mouth, I wouldn't quite put it kind of, as the Kleinish kind of waxy oiliness, but it's, there's a slight mouth coating yeah. and uh, a lovely bit of oakiness coming in at the end. Yeah, uh, Finish wise, medium finish to be expected from a 10 year old whiskey. Uh, slight pepper coming through, chocolate, and then again that oakiness coming in right at the end. What about yourself? Uh, well, for me, sort of going back on what I've said about tasting, I got this fustiness and that's now worn off. I'm not getting that anymore on the nose. Cereal, soft spice, ripe bananas, hard toffee, unflavoured popcorn. Apparently, <laughs> as I said, apple strudel. It's like coffee notes, icing sugar, vanilla, a little bit of mocha, sort of chocolateiness in there. Initially on the finish... I would suggest that it was very short actually. Yeah. Not very short, short. I think I think without water it comes across quite short. Yeah. But with what? a drop of water which we have added, yeah. I would I would think and I would argue that it was longer. Yeah, exactly. I I would I would say the same thing. Little drop of water has really brought out the a, a, a vanilla cinnamons, candied apples, that sort of flavour. Yeah. And it's elongated the, the, the finish a little yeah. bit and I would then agree with you that it was a sort of medium finish it never got it initially but yeah I, I, what we were speaking about earlier it intrigues me to try more Ben yeah and you just wish there was, like, strength 14 or strength 12 or 8-year-old yeah. eight, eight Ben Nevis or something yeah. just out in the market, even if it's kind of single cask or something, you know what I mean? Um, and hopefully we go on to review that as well, and yeah. it'd be a great comparison to do. Moving on to the Whiskey League. Yeah, Scotch Whiskey League. Hotly contested. Oh, of course. So, the current Whiskey League, before we introduce the Ben Nevis, we've got six whiskies. Number one, Long Row Red, 12-year-old. Similar crowd on there. Yeah. Number two, Nick Nien, single malt. Excellent whiskey. Number three, the Glen Scotia, 14-year-old, Tony Port. Yeah. Uh, Klein Leash, 14-year-old, Mori, 12-year-old, that we tried in the previous podcast and then the Ardbeg, wee is currently number six. Yeah. So, initially, your first thoughts, where are you throwing that Ben Ellis in? in? Where do you think it fits in between? I think it's a hard one because... This is a whiskey that falls into that category that I would drink every day. It's an everyday whiskey. It's very nice. It's full yeah. of flavour, but it's not. It's not a whiskey that's going to kind of blow your socks off. But you could drink it every day. And this makes this makes me think like whereabouts in the whiskey league it should go because I kind of think of cheese when I think of this whiskey. Right. Like, I'm a big fan of kind of really strong blue cheese. Right. But I'm also a fan of. Cheddar cheese. Cathedral City cheddar cheese. Nah. I would have Cathedral City cheddar cheese every day. Right. That's a bit Nevis. Okay. Strong blue cheese. I wouldn't have that any every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's a Long Red. Or that's a Grand Scotia Tony Port. It's not an everyday cheese or an everyday whiskey. But it's, it's something a little bit special. Yeah. Right. But what do I enjoy more? do you enjoy the whiskey that you try every other month or so and go "Oh, this is a great whiskey or do you enjoy the one that you could open a bottle of whenever yeah would, so, would so, you would you appreciate so, so it's like you wouldn't you wouldn't be eating blue cheese every day you know what I mean no you'd be eating cheddar cheese every day no. but what do I enjoy more is your question yeah. and my answer is I enjoy the blue cheese I enjoy long roll I enjoy go scotia Right. I probably even enjoy Klein Leash more than I enjoy this Ben Nevis. Just because it's got that different element, it's got that waxiness, it's got that kind of I'm a bit different kind of taste yeah, to it. Yeah, Klein Leash has got that sort of unique factor to it that, yeah. that puts it, it separates it yeah. from, I guess, for like what well you're saying the likes of this Ben Nevis, it's Klein Leash has got something yeah. that separates it. Yeah. And... The thing to remember here is Klein Leash is a whisky I would drink every day, but it's also got that added element of being a wee bit different. Right, so okay. So for that reason, I can't put the Ben Nevis above the Kleinleash. Uh-huh. I can't put it above any of the other whiskies that are already above yeah. the Klein Leash. I feel that this whisky is good enough to go in just below the Kleinleash below below the Leash, above the Tobermory so it would be sitting at 5th spot 5th spot so you've got Long Row Nignane Thanks Scotia, Shad Kleinleash staying the same Ben Nevis Ben Nevis 10 year old and then Tobermory and Arbeg taking one bump down yeah I don't think it's a reflection on those whiskeys those were both very enjoyable whiskeys the Tobermory and Arbeg I just think Ben Nevis is uh to put it your way, I just think it's better. Yeah. I think Ben Nevis fits in the the oh, I don't know, can a myth have a myth on top of it? Mm. I think the double myth, I think. Yeah, a double a double myth. Double myth. Yeah, myth. Um the this Ben Nevis and the climbers for me are very, very close in that could you drink it every day? Yeah. Um in both both answers to that's yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, and they are. The, you could drink it every day. I just think that the waxiness of the Kleinleash is not something that I could enjoy every day. Right, okay. To me, Kleinleash has got this certain uniqueness about it that puts it in the same category as, say, a spring bank, a long roll, an Islay whiskey for me, or, say, an island whiskey when it's got the saltiness and stuff that it's good when you try it, and it's great when you try it, but it's not something I want to try every time. Right. Okay. Um, so for me, that actually brings cleanliness down a little bit, and I would put the Ben Nevis because of its, but because of its freshness, its uniqueness in the sense that the distillery's got a, a, a strange story with the fact that it's owned by a Japanese distiller and everything and. The, the viewpoint that Ben Nevis is now only going to get more available as well. Yeah. I just think Ben Nevis for me would fit between the Glen Scotia and the Klein Leash. I would put it in fourth spot and I would bump Klein Leash down. Right. But most importantly it'd be pushing the bag further down. Right. Yeah, okay. like, I feel that like you're putting Ben Nevis above the Klein Leash based on what it can be in the future. Like This is a very good whisky, but I'm going to say... You're going to edge my bets on the fact that... You're almost almost imagining the 8-year-old cash strength, the 12-year-old cash strength, the 14-year-old cash strength. Yeah. Which I really don't think is appropriate for the Scotch Whisky League, the most hotly contested league in Scotland across all spirits and also all sports. Yeah. Now you've said that. I actually probably agree. But I am thinking I'm not along that line. <laughs> no, th- that's what it comes across. Like, and yeah. I, I don't even blame you because when I taste a spirit, I think that's a very good spirit. I would just like to see it being that wee bit better by being a cast strength twelve or something. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. I. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're probably you. You. You're right. Uh, I. Oh no! I know I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I said it. Uh, um, <laughs> You know, a prick. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, no, uh, I, 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 I know that as well. Uh, I agree. I agree with you there. I'm probably envisaging, envisaging what Ben Evis could be and how good. And if it was able to put, throw the shackles off, I guess and really show what it was about, where I would want it to be. Yeah, I'll concede this one in the, uh, in the fact that I put it. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to agree on. Long Row uh, Red Top Still not happy about that But yeah Okay All right McNeon Single Malt Second Yeah Gunscotia, Tony Port Of course the Open Day release Yeah uh, Number 3 uh, Fourth We'll have The Kindly 14 year old Yeah Fifth Ben 10 year old Who we've just Tasted today Sixth Tomer 12 year old And Seventh We'll have The Ardbeg wee We Beastie Yep, yeah, that's that's the uh, league sorted. That's uh, so, with me. We hope you've enjoyed the bonus podcast, probably brought about by not being able to find Ben Nevis for an original podcast and and, and time enough to do it. Pleasantly surprised by Ben Nevis. Yeah, I didn't think it would be as good as it was. eh? as good. Yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. Right. Well, we'll leave you at that. And also make sure you watch zero zero zero. Have a good one, guys. See you later.